we're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hey everyone, welcome back to Protect the Rock. This is the Clemson Podcast at The Athletic. I'm Nicole Auerbach. She's Grace Rayner. We are bringing this to you live from New Orleans in Grace's hotel room (laughs) next to the ironing board that she has just apparently left out in her room for like five days because she hasn't ironed anything in five days. That's not true. I literally ironed before um, the game on whatever Monday night. Yes, the game was Monday. It is Tuesday morning, Grace. It honestly feels like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm living on a different planet right now. Yes, we were a little loopy. It was a long night. Clemson is a little loopy. They lost for the first time in 30 games. Clemson lost. LSU is a national champion, and we saw Clemson lose for the first time in a long time. We saw Trevor Lawrence's first college football loss. Dabo said after the game, it had been a long time since he had to stand in front of his team after a loss. Grace, this was kind of what we expected. Like, we we expected, we both picked LSU win this game a little bit closer, a closer margin than it ultimately was. Um, But let's just get overall thoughts about what LSU did and how it all went down. What was your main takeaway? I thought one of the biggest areas of concern for Clemson was when they couldn't get anything going on third down and ultimately finished the game with the worst third down performance in the Dabo Sweeney era. I think they were one for 11. Um, and a lot of that was just because they were ineffective on first and second down, which put them in a lot of third and longs. So offensively, I thought that, that was the biggest issue. Obviously, we saw Trevor Lawrence have one of his rockier nights. And then defensively, I, I, I just think they just came up against a team that was just better than them. Like the talent, the quarterback, the receivers. I mean, we haven't seen A.J. Terrell look that vulnerable all season. Um so, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think LSU was a better team. They were, and, and I think they were they were a more talented team, and that was something I had been saying going into the game, that I thought they were a more talented team, but I couldn't quite count Clemson out, just in general, um, with what we've seen from them. But ultimately, that's that's really where it came down to. And, and Trevor Lawrence didn't play his A game, and, you know, those overthrows were really uncharacteristic by him, which obviously contributed to the third down problems. Um, but I really don't think that this game was on him at all. I mean, I think he didn't play well, but but I think he would have probably had to be basically perfect to, to keep pace against that. Because, you know, Joe Burrow, yeah, he had this two, three and outs to start the game and bad field position, but then he kind of was perfect for, for so much of the game. I mean, some of those crazy throws and, you know, he just had his, his trademark scrambles make something happen. Um, just a great runner, tough, tough player. It was Joe Burrow's year. I mean, there was nothing. He didn't have a bad game. There was nothing that really derailed him. Um, I know our colleague Stu Mandel basically said he had the perfect season, and and I think that that's probably true. Um, I know there's a little bit of recency bias happening right now about where 2019 LSU stacks up, but they are going to be in that conversation of the all-time great single-season teams, like Miami 2001, Nebraska. Like, they're going to be in that conversation, um, and they should. I mean, I think in a few years we're going to see how many NFL players are on this team. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like LSU all year was a team of destiny. You know, it just kind of felt like this was where it was going. And you're right. I mean, I don't think you can put this loss on Trevor. I mean, certainly 
he could have played better, and he would be the first to tell you that. Um, but, I mean, Clemson's offense knew, given the LSU offense, they were going to have to score touchdowns. They were going to have to try to keep pace um, in what, you know, eventually came became a track meet from the LSU offense. So, um, just across the board, if you're not capitalizing on every single possible play when you're playing a team like LSU, you're going to be in trouble. And, I mean, I, it's just crazy. It feels like that first that first quarter when LSU punted the ball, what, four times in its first five drives? Yeah, like, like, like we all thought was going to happen. It feels like six months ago. Like It really does. And, um, you know, the game was so long. Like, it was just so much happened, and there were so many – stops and reviews and um you know incomplete pass and things that just kind of dragged the game on that it really did feel like a totally different game and it, it was and so you get those stops you're forcing those three and outs you're getting them to punt but Clemson isn't getting large chunks of time off the clock and they're not putting together these long scoring drives that end in touchdowns to try to really actually make the most of them because we know LSU is such a quick strike offense so you know then Jamar Chase gets going and he had he had what like almost 150 yards and two scores by tut by halftime and that was really I think you know that there was the danger zone like it felt like they hit a tipping point and you're looking at that and you're like wow LSU gets the ball out of the half they don't get that stop game is over and they got the stop and the game you know they stayed within a score and then two scores and and you know all of that until the last few minutes but you know, it was a tipping point really right before the half, which is kind of crazy to think about considering how the game started with those three and outs, and we're saying Venables is winning that early chess match. Yeah, to me, I mean, Jamar, I mean, Joe Burrow obviously is the story of the game, but Jamar Chase and these LSU wide receivers, I mean, LSU was pretty candid in the locker room afterwards. Justin Jefferson had said, we did not feel like Clemson saw really competitive wide receiver matchups all year. And we wanted to pick on that. We wanted to exploit that. Um, I think the writing was on the wall a little bit when you see A.J. Terrell just getting embarrassed like he was. I mean, this was Clemson's best corner. They put him up for All-American nominations. Um, just to just to see these wide receivers abuse Clemson's secondary like it was. And then we see Venables. You know, he's the master of adjustments. Okay, what's he going to do at halftime? So they come out of the half. He puts Darian Kendrick on chase. That doesn't really work either. I mean, you just, I don't know. It, it, it was just like the perfect domino effect. Um, Justin Jefferson, I thought it was funny. He was like, well, you can't you can't double team all three of our receivers, so someone's going to have to eat. And that is what Chase did. Yeah, yeah. They were just, they, they were phenomenal all around. Um, and, you know, they, they were the best team in college football this year. They, they absolutely were. They went through a schedule, ultimately, unlike, you know, Clemson. Yeah, and especially unlike Clemson last year. When, when you're talking about 15-0 and 0 teams, there's only been two. And, um, you know, you can look at the way that, you know, the stats about, you know, where they finished in the top 10 and how many top 10 wins they ultimately had and things like that. But, I mean, it was a gauntlet. It was a gauntlet with Alabama, Florida, Auburn, um, Georgia, you know, Oklahoma's offense, now Clemson. I mean, th- there was there was a lot. And, um, you know, I was texting with um, an SEC defensive coordinator this morning, and, you know, he had called it in the first quarter when the game was close. He said, you know, LSU is going to wipe the floor with them. 
And, you know, he he was pointing out that, you know, that we, we focused a lot on that scare and the Ole Miss game and how much they were able to run the ball and gash LSU's defense. And he said they figured it out after that. Yeah, I thought that the maturation and the progress that the LSU defense made over the course of the last three games or so uh, was really important. And, and we talked about this with Brody Miller, our LSU writer, before this game about is this defense getting enough credit? And it was this conversation about, well, credit's a tricky word because the criticism was merited. Um, but they kind of figured it out down the stretch. And then again, this Clemson offense – as explosive as it was in its own right and as, as good of a quarterback as it had itself, um, it was just going to have to keep pace. And when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen, um, you know, the life kind of gets sucked out of you after 28, 25, and you think you're in it, and then all of a sudden, here comes Joe Burrow, and guess what? You're out again. Yeah, you know, and, and it was um, it was an interesting post game because, you know, Grace, it had been a long, long time since you had covered a loss. Yeah, it had been um, in this building um, two New years Year, ago. New Year's yeah. Day, twenty eighteen, oh, and I was at that game as yeah. well, um, mm-hmm. the Sugar Bowl. So you know, I I basically just like was Trevor's shadow and and kind of chased him around afterwards. I knew you were around Isaiah Simmons. You were in the locker room. You know, Trevor was his normal, pretty stoic self, mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of people were trying to get him, you know, keep his chin up and all of those types of things as he was going around. Um, he answered every question. He took a lot of the blame. All of those things were happening. There were some emotional players, though, in that locker room. I think Isaiah was was very emotional. I saw him. He was kind of crying into his um, into his jersey as he was walking into the locker room. Who was hurt the most? And and kind of you know, I mean, that was like a guy like Isaiah. Like he literally could not have done more in that game in that season. Um, walk me through the vibe of the rest of the locker room outside of Trevor because I was kind of laser focused. Oh, sure, yeah. So Isaiah had a moment on the field where he was just kind of completely by himself, hunched over um, or on the 10-yard line, just kind of taking everything in. And then, you know, the, the locker room, it was just – I mean, you know you know, at some point, okay, this streak is going to end. Clemson's not going to win every single game for the rest of the world. Um, but you kind of forget what it's like to be – in a losing locker room because Clemson has always been, you know, we win, we dance, and, um, you know, all this stuff on social media, and and Dabo is being hoisted into the air. He's, like, almost hitting his head on the ceiling. So we go into the locker room on Monday night as it turns into Tuesday morning, and it's so quiet in there that, to me, the, the, the loudest sound I heard was the the – the zippers on people's duffel bags. There was just not a lot of chatter going on. It was just very somber. Um, I would say the most emotional, uh, Jordan Williams was pretty emotional, defensive tackle. Um, And then Jackson Carmen, after Trevor came back from his press conference, which you were at, uh, Jackson kind of pulled him aside and and brought him in real close and whispered something into his ear. And uh, when I asked Jackson what he said, he was just so emotional that he really couldn't bring himself uh, to share the contents of that conversation. So, um, I don't know. It was a, I thought, I thought Clemson handled themselves pretty well. Uh, there was some tears, some quietness. Some guys didn't come out at all. I wish some of the DBs had, had maybe come out a little bit more and chatted about what they saw. But overall, I thought they handled it well for a team that is really not used to this feeling. Can you believe it? NFL Conference Championship Weeks. I, for one, am very excited about the Titans-Chiefs, even though I do miss Lamar Jackson. 
Still the MVP in my heart. Time's up for two of the teams playing this weekend. But you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stand under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching a game quite like having a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUN. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter the code RUN during the sign-up, and you'll also get a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. That's code RUN, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, and I, I think I'm sure it helps that they know what it's like to be in LSU shoes. I think that sure. was something that, that Dabo was referencing because I think he knows how special it is, and so you know how to handle it, not to take anything away from that. Um, and and I think that, you know, that was that was definitely a piece of it. Plus, I mean, Grace, how much is it going to help that they're going to be the preseason number one team? They have the number one recruiting class, 15 mid-year enrollees. Yes. Trevor's back. Justin Ross is back. A lot of these guys, we're going to see a lot more with, like, Joseph Ningata. Like, there's so many talented players coming back. And, you know, if you if at the end of the game you're thinking, okay, which of these two teams is more likely to be back here next year? It's Clemson. It so is. how much does that and what is in line for the future help, even though I guess we're talking silver linings at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think you, like you said, this, this team returns a ton of talent. They had 80 freshmen and sophomores. Um, so – you're, you're bringing back a lot of really, really key pieces. And then, you know, just listening to even a guy like Kayvon Wallace, who obviously is moving on. He's a senior. He's graduated and um, has no more eligibility left. But he's like, two out of four is not bad. Like, Clemson seniors won 50% of their national titles. Ugh, how dare they? <laughs> Only 50? That's failing, Grace. <laughs> that is, actually, that's an F. You're right. That's an F. No, just kidding. But... No, I mean, I think that really, um, I, I think the fact that Clemson is built to continue to be a national championship contender, whereas LSU had to have a lot of things aligned perfectly. Mm-hmm. And again, they're going to be one of the all-time great teams, one of the all-time great single seasons. But you had to have the Joe Brady piece. And that was random, right? And you had to have the Joe Burrow piece, and then you had to take the big stride from last year, and all of these other things that had to piece together. Whereas Clemson, it's not—it's not like there was like a like an expiring window. It, you know, I was talking to our colleague Annie Staples about this a few days ago, and he compared it to the Clemson team with Deshaun Watson, where at the moment. You're thinking, I don't know if Clemson can sustain this when he's gone. And I feel like we're in that moment with LSU with Burrow because we don't know. Mm-hmm. And they could absolutely do it, but but we're going to have that question. Whereas with Clemson, there's no question. Like, we know right. that they can do that. Plus, Trevor Lawrence is back for another year, which is kind of crazy that he still has another year. Like, he's obviously just as pro-ready as Burrow is, even though he didn't have his best game. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we've are, 
we've already seen Trevor Lawrence play in 30 games <laughs> uh, as a – I mean, that's more than some people play in their entire career that he's played as a, as a sophomore. But, yeah, I mean, you look at this Clemson team and you look at the way that they are – Recruiting. Uh, you look at the way that they are developing talent. You look at the way, for the most part, I know Jeff Scott is obviously headed to South Florida. Staff retention is pretty intact. And they, this is just a program that's built to last. You know, this is a program that I think everyone in college football would be pretty stunned if they're not right back in this conversation again next year. Um, it's just, you know, Dabo talks so much about consistency and how you know, the goal is never to win a national championship. National championships come as a result of your consistency. So it's very clear he has the program, the culture, the pieces that he wants in place. Um, and I, I just don't know if you're looking, you know, three, four, five years down the line from now when you kind of see that stopping. Right, right. And, and you know, again, this is all – it's it's – it's silver lining. It's looking at the future. We always do all of these things coming out of national championship games. But I, I think when you go up against an all-time great roster, all-time great season, and things like that, like th- these are the things you have to focus on um, after a challenging loss like that. So, um, again, just just remarkable. I think, I think one of the images of the season, if not all of 2020 in sports will be that Joe Burrow cigar photo. Yes. There's so much deserve and fair cockiness and swag in that image, and it's kind of perfect. And um, I I think that will ultimately – I think that actually also pieces into, like, the type of team where they will be in history because, like – that Miami team, you know, like there, there's a sure. there's a swag behind them, right? Oh, for sure. And so I think that helps. Like I, I Clemson, it's like a quiet swag. It's yeah, it's, like Trevor has swag, but it's like does. it's a understated. It is understated. It's like an elegant swag, whereas I feel like LSU's swag is a we do not care what anyone thinks about us type of swag. Like Joe Burrow was living his best life on Monday night. He didn't even go to the Tuesday morning press conference. I'm not really... Like, We're un- unclear at this time unclear. where he is in New Orleans. They called him. He did not answer. So... It is noon <laughs> on Tuesday, and no one has any idea where Joe Burrow is. Which, honestly, like, I admire. I honestly really admire that, too. I think they said he went on a podcast or something this morning, but... So he was alive. That could have been after the game. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. He could be out and about. Um, and, and again, like, we, we've talked about this a lot, too, like... Clearly an advantage to basically play a home game for LSU. Oh, for sure. I don't know if this game goes different, though, in a different area. I mean, the energy in the in the, in the the stadium and surrounding area is probably very, very different, but... Um, I don't think the outcome is different. I don't, I don't either. And, and again, this kind of goes into kind of like the, the team of destiny stuff, right? That that LSU wins national championships when it's when it's here. Um, but, yeah, he... Uh, he is un. We're, we're we're not sure where he is. Hopefully, we find him by the combine, um, because he's gonna be a stud in the NFL. Yeah, this man is literally and figuratively undefeated in 2020. Like he's perfect. Seriously, he, being Joe Burrow right now is is probably pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, again, like that cigar photo. <laughs> Like, you tweeted, oh Grace, you were like, this is, like, the 2020 energy we need to bring, you know? He just was, like, strutting with this cigar, and 
And then you've got, like, Odell Beckham in the locker room and Ezekiel Elliott. The videos coming out of the LSU locker room. Incredible. Incredible. You have a, and of a, you have a cop, like, threatening to arrest all of them. For smoking indoors. Smoking like these cigars. Like, just incredible, incredible scene. Only in New Orleans. Only LSU. Yeah. Just insane. Absolutely insane. Um, again, we will have a lot more time to rehash Clemson's loss. Grace will be doing, you know, looking back at the game and, and going through all of the different angles. Um, you can read our stories off the game, both on the Clemson side. Over at The Athletic, um, our colleagues did a tremendous job covering the LSU side. Brody Miller, who was on this podcast, wrote, I think, the best story off of the National Championship game, and you should definitely give that a read um, about what this means for Burrow and LSU. Um, but in the meantime, we will let you guys just kind of simmer with the loss and, and survive and, and uh, you know, just, again, embrace those silver linings or get a cigar, channel your inner Joe Burrow. It's hard to hate them even though, even though you lose to them. Um, so we will, we will end it there for Protect the Rock. Thank you so much for listening all season long. Um, Grace and I really appreciate it. We, um, you know, couldn't have done this without you and and all of you know you Taylor Swift fans and Bachelor fans and Bachelor's <laughs> back, and we don't have to compete with football next Monday, so we're excited about that. But thank you so much for listening, for reading the Athletic, um, and for engaging with us. Um, we'll we'll be around this off season. Just just tweet us, just email us. Um, we'll be around. But for Grace Rayner, I'm Nicole Auerbach. This is Protect the Rock, Clemson podcast from the Athletic. Checking out from New Orleans.